Chapter Eighteen of Elsie's Motherhood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elsie's Motherhood by Martha Finley. Chapter Eighteenth. Thus far our fortune keeps an onward course, and we are graced with wreaths of victory. Victory! Shouted Horace Junior, waving his handkerchief above his head. Victory! and an end to the reign of terror hooray for the brave troops of uncle sam that came so opportunely to the rescue come let us sally forth to meet them elsie unlock your stores and furnish the refreshments they have so well earned they draw nearer cried arthur who had been listening intently haste they must be about entering the avenue they will meet the raiders travilla uncle shall we make an opening here in our breastworks yes answered both in a breath then as if struck by a sudden thought no no let us reconnoitre first cried mr dinsmore horace run up to the observatory take a careful survey and report as promptly as possible horace bound away hardly waiting to hear the conclusion of the sentence i counsel delay said old mr dinsmore was peering through a loophole the troops have not entered the avenue the ku klux may return though i do not expect it after the severe repulse we have twice given them but discretion is the better part of valor right sir said mr lilburn let us give them no chance for a more successful onslaught oh yes do be careful cried the ladies joining them don't tear down the least part of our defences yet have they really fled are you all unhurt asked rose in trembling tones edward papa faltered elsie safe and sound they both answered thank god thank god she cried as her husband folded her into his arms and her father took her hand in his while with the other arm he embraced rose we have indeed cause for thankfulness said arthur returning from a hurried circuit of the verandas not one of our side has received a scratch but i have ordered the men to remain at their posts for the present horace came rushing back i cannot understand it i see no sign of troops though the darkness suggested his mother hark hark the bugle call they are charging on the ku klux exclaimed arthur as a silvery sound came floating on the night breeze oh they have come they have come cried rose clapping her hands and dancing up and down with delight now our troubles are over and there will be no more of these dreadful raids and in the exuberance of her joy she embraced first her mother then her sister and lastly threw herself into her father's arms ah i wish it were so he said caressing her but i begin to fear that the sounds we have heard with so much relief and pleasure were as unreal as bruno's talking a while ago oh was it you mr lilburn she cried in a tone of sore disappointment ah well my bonny lass the ku klux are gone at all events let us be thankful for that he answered what what does it all mean asked the other two young men in a breath what strange deception has been practised upon us my cousin is a ventriloquist replied elsie 
and has done us a good service in using his talent to help in driving away the Ku Klux. He instantly received a unanimous vote of thanks, and the young people began pouring out eager questions and remarks. Another time, my work is but half done, I must pursue, he cried, hastily leaving them to seek an exit from the house. Elsie hurried away to see if her little ones still slept. All did but little Elsie, and she was full of joy and thankfulness that her dear papa's cruel foes had been driven away. Ah, mamma, God has heard our prayers and helped us out of this great trouble, she said, receiving and returning a tender embrace. Indeed he has, daughter. Let us thank him for his goodness, and ever put our trust in him. Have you been long awake? It was their dreadful screams that awakened me, mamma. I couldn't help crying for one man. It seems as if he must be in such agony of pain. Uncle Joe says Aunt Dicey and the others threw boiling soap into his eyes and all over his face and head. Mamma, aren't you sorry for him? Yes, indeed. And the child felt a great tear fall on her head, resting on her mother's bosom. Poor, poor fellow. He finds the way of transgressors hard, as the Bible says it. Now, darling, lie down again and try to sleep. I think the danger is all over for tonight. Returning, she met her husband in the hall. I have been to tell Leland the good news, he said. He is happy over it. And now, dear wife, go to bed and sleep if you can. You are looking very weary, and I think need no fear further disturbance. Your grandfather, Mrs. Dinsmore, and Rosie have yielded to our persuasions and retired. And you and Papa can easily stand the loss of one night's sleep, but may perhaps get an hour or so of repose upon the sofa. But we will keep a constant watch till sunrise. Arthur and Horace are going up to the observatory again, while the rest of us will pace the veranda by turns. Morning found the Ian mansion wearing much of the appearance of a recently besieged fortress. How many of the clan had lost their lives, it was impossible to tell, but probably only a small number, as the aim of the party of defense had been, by mutual agreement, to disable and not to slay. But it was thought the assailants had suffered a sufficiently severe punishment to deter them from a renewal of the attack. Also, Mr. Lilbourne's pursuit keeping up the delusion that the troops were at hand had greatly frightened and demoralized them so the barricades were presently taken down and gradually the dwelling and its surroundings resumed their usual aspects of neatness order and elegance all the friends remained at breakfast and their presence did not exclude the children from the table while the guests were being helped there was a momentary silence broken by a faint squeal that seemed to come from under Eddie's plate. Mousy at the table? cried Harold. Then, oh me, dot a bird? As the notes of a canary came from underneath his plate, pick up your plates and let us see the mouse and the bird, said their papa, smiling. They obeyed. Ah, I knew there was nothing there, said Eddie, laughing and looking at Cousin Ronald, while Harold, gazing at the tablecloth, in disappointed surprise, cried, Ah, it's gone. It must have flewed away. 
Cawhorn Conley, knowing nothing but suspecting a great deal, and full of anxiety, repaired to Ian directly after breakfast. Blood stains on the ground without and within the gate, and here and there along the avenue as he rode up to the house, confirmed his surmise that his friends had been attacked by the Ku Klux the previous night. He found them all in the library, talking the matter over. Ah, sir, like a brave man and a true friend, you come when the fight is over, was his grandfather's sarcastic greeting. It was my misfortune, sir, to be unable in this instant to follow my inclination, returned the young man, coloring to the very roots of his hair with mortification. But, glancing around the circle, heaven be thanked that I find you all unhurt, he added with a sigh that told a great load had been taken from his heart. May I hear the story? I see the men are tearing down a breastwork, and I suppose the attacking party must have been a large one. Not too large, however, for us to beat back and defeat without your assistance, growled his grandfather. Ah, Grandpa, he would have helped if he could said mrs travilla sit down cal we are very glad to see you his uncle and travilla joined in the assurance but horace and arthur regarded him rather coldly and cousin ronald thought he deserved some slight punishment as he attempted to take the offered seat squeal 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 came from his coat pocket causing him to start and redden again with renewed embarrassment Oh, cousin Cal, has you dot a wee little piggy in your pocket? Let me see him, cried Harold, running up and trying to get a peep at it. Then starting back with a cry of alarm, at a sudden loud barking, as of an infuriated dog, at Calhoun's heels, Bruno came bounding in with an answering bark. Calhoun, thrusting his hand into his pocket with purpose to summarily eject the pig, and at the same time wheeling about to confront his canine antagonist, looked utterly confounded at finding none there, while to add to his confusion and perplexity, a bee seemed to be circling around his head, now buzzing at one ear, now at the other. He tried to dodge it. He put up his hand to drive it away, then wheeled about a second time as the furious bark was renewed in his rear, but Turner pale and looked absolutely frightened at the discovery that the dog was still invisible, then reddened again at perceiving that everybody was laughing. His cousin Elsie was trying to explain, but could not make herself heard above the furious barking. She looked imploringly at Mr. Lilburn, and it ceased on the instant. Calhoun, dropping into a chair, and glanced inquiringly from one to another, his uncle answered him in a single word, ventriloquism. Sold, exclaimed the youth, joining faintly in the mirth. Strange I did not think of that, and how could I suppose there was a ventriloquist here? An excellent one, is he not? You must hear what good service he did last night, said Mr. Travilla, and went on to tell the story of the attack and defense. Elsie and Eddie listened to the account with keen interest, Vi, who had been devoting herself in motherly fashion to a favorite doll, laid it aside to hear what was said. But Harold was playing with Bruno, who seemed hardly yet to have recovered from his wonder at not finding the strange canine intruder who had so 
roused his ire. Harold had climbed upon his back, and with his arms around his neck, was talking to him in an undertone. Now use my horse, Bruno. Let's go riding like Papa and Pippo. The dog started toward the door. With all my heart, little master, which way shall we go? Why, Bruno, you surprise me. Can you talk? cried the little fellow in great delight. Why didn't you begin sooner? Mama, oh, Mama, did you hear Bruno talk? Mama smiled and gently said, Be quiet, son, while Papa and the rest are talking, or else take Bruno out to the veranda. Cousin Ronald was amusing himself with the children. Vi's doll presently began to cry and call upon her to be taken up, and she ran to it in surprised delight, till she remembered that it was only Cousin Ronald and not Dolly at all. But Cousin Ronald had a higher object than his own or the children's amusement. He was trying to divert their thoughts from the doings of the Ku Klux, lest they should grow timid and fearful. End of chapter 18